came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come to America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We have one great, great show for you today. We have Larry Hogan, the former governor of Maryland, the only Republican governor that ever straightened out Maryland. Nikki Haley, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., she wants to run for president. We have Dr. Peter Michalos, how are we going to live longer? Roger Stone, all the stuff that's going on in our country, and he is afraid of it, Congressman Jim Jordan. What's the real truth of what's going on in Washington? And our star, Senator Lindsey Graham, one common sense senator. Uh, we had uh, we we had uh, dinner a few nights ago, and uh, with a bunch of people, and uh, he believes in putting people together versus other people believing in creating divides. Santa yeah. Graham. It was good to have dinner with you the other night. And uh, uh, tell us a, a, a little bit about where is our country going? And uh, let's let a million people listen to this. Well, number one, John, thank you for the dinner. It was a wonderful dinner. I love your family. You've been very helpful to me. Uh, thanks so much. Well, let me tell you, uh, uh, I think it doesn't have to be the way. I think we're losing control of our streets. This effort to defund the police was real. It's hurt law enforcement, recruit, and retention. So we got to get back on track and make sure that the men and women in blue feel appreciated. If we don't shut down our border and gain control, we're going to lose our sovereignty. Iran is marching toward a nuclear weapon. We're talking about cutting defense, which is insane. So uh, economic growth is stalled. Energy independence has been lost. I think we're in a world of hurt. The next election can change things one way or the other. It's going to get worse or it's going to get better, and I hope people will vote for better. Well, you know, it's it certainly, uh, and you had some uh, terrific ideas of how, uh, you know, to use the Democrats uh, and bring them together to come with more common sense solutions, uh, especially with Saudi Arabia, which I was very impressed in, that you feel that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia really wants to be on our side versus uh, the side of the evil axis of R Russia and China. Well, so, you know, I, I try to be bipartisan where it makes sense. I'm a proud conservative, but you gotta work together in a, in a company or marriage or a country to survive. So our friends in Israel are under threat from the Ayatollah in Iran. If he had a nuclear weapon, I believe he would use it. Israel can't afford to let that happen. The Saudis, who are uh, Sunnis, feel threatened by the Ayatollah's uh, Shiite extremist agenda. So uh, the Biden administration is talking to Saudi Arabia about normalizing relationships. Saudi has been very problematic, but uh, they're embarking on reforms that are pretty encouraging. They're going to re reshape their economy. They're letting women drive. Women can go out to dinner without a male escort. Things are moving in the right direction. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could 
solidify Saudi Arabia in the camp of progress, uh, have Saudi Arabia recognize Israel as the one and only Jewish state, normalize relationships between Saudi and Israel would end the Israeli-Arab conflict. It would transform the Mideast. It would make us safer, and it would put Iran in a box. So I want to work with Biden to do that. And I think if we can do it on Biden's watch, uh, watch, count me in. Uh, understand. The other concern some of our guests had at, uh, at dinner the other night was uh, uh, about Israel themselves. And if Iran reaches a certain level of uh, right. actually getting a nuclear bomb and they were concerned for Israel, whether the United States would back up Israel. Israel is not going to allow their arch nemesis, the Iranians, to get a nuclear weapon. You know, Rocket Man is kind of a thuggish state. The Chinese are trying to, you know, control the world economy, but I don't think they're going to attack America tomorrow. I do believe if the Ayatollah had a nuclear weapon, he would use it for religious purposes. He would destroy the Jewish state. He says he would do it. Israel believes him. So if they get too close to, to enrichment levels to, to create a bomb, which they're already very close, I think Israel would have to take military action. And it's important for the Iranians to know that America would have Israel's back. They would give them the weapons they need, but we'd also be involved in the attack. The only way you're going to prevent Iran from getting nuclear weapon, John, is if there's a credible military threat hanging over their head. So I'm going to push the Biden administration to be more forceful when it comes to supporting Israel. And everybody agreed with that. You also show... Uh, uh, shows a, a lot of remorse and some of your good friends uh, uh, being sick, like Diane Feinstein, and, and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and she's in terrible condition. What say you? Well, I just say that uh, she's been a friend. We're politically on the opposite sides of the aisle. I've worked with her on immigration and other things. She's a dear person. She is suffering, and and it, and it hurts. I don't want to benefit from the suffering of others so i'll pray for diane but we live in a very contentious time i'm a proud conservative but you know i don't want to organize my life around hating people i want to organize my life around principles that have stood the test of time and trying to find a way to save america and build america up stronger so let's hope diane gets better and uh, the, other, the other item that we uh, discussed, uh, the Durham report, and you were very much concerned about that. What did we learn from the Durham report? We learned that the FBI received a dossier called a Steele dossier that was organized by two Russian agents that was full of fiction that was used to get a warrant against Carter Page. When the FBI was alerted that it may not be reliable, they went ahead anyway. The Department of Justice, the FBI, and the media colluded to sell a false story that Donald Trump was a Russian agent and his campaign was being by Ru run by Russia. They ignored all the sculptory evidence. The Durham report is damning. It shows the FBI became a political weapon. They wanted to get Trump. They didn't care how they did it. And they're covering up the Hunter Light uh, Biden laptop. Uh, you had social media and intelligence officials trying to convince people the Hunter Biden laptop was fake when it was real. They were trying to make you believe that Trump was a Russian agent working with the Russians when he wasn't. We live in a very dangerous time. So God bless the Durham report, and I hope we'll uh, all understand as Republicans today could be Democrats tomorrow. Why did it take Durham so long to get it done? I have no friggin' idea. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I I'm scratching my head. Well, 
but it's but it's but it is done and it's standing. Uh, they took the rule of law and threw it over to try to get a political outcome. And you know, the next election, you know, if Republicans win, I, me or Grass would be chairman of the Judiciary Committee. I'll call Durham. The Democrats will never have him for the committee. Lots at stake, my friend. You've been a great voice for common sense and reason, and uh, you know you're you're a great businessman, a good conservative, a better American. Thank you and your family, and we'll stay in touch. Well, thank you, Senator, so much. And uh, uh, tell us, uh, you know, you always were telling me uh, privately that you raised so much money out of Fox. How about WABC? What is your website? Uh, we did good. Uh, every time I'd go in and say they're gonna, they're gonna kill me if you don't help me, uh, y'all responded. I would not have made it through the last election cycle without people sending five and ten bucks. I raised seventy million dollars online. The Democrats spent one hundred thirty-two million to try to beat me, the most in the history of the Senate. So your audience, people, you, your family, people who believe in balance, uh, won the day. So we got to get more involved, not less in politics. Give where you can. Pray. Vote. Uh, it's all good, and I just can't thank you enough for what. What you is do. your website? What is what is what is uh, the Instagram dot com? Yeah, if you want to help me, send a few bucks because I'll be up running uh, in a few years, and I've learned one thing: when it comes to me, I need to be ready because they want to take me out. But uh, the bottom line is, yeah, Instagram dot com. Help me if you can. But the main thing is, uh, you know, let's turn out in force in twenty twenty four. Let's stop the slide of this country. It doesn't have to be this way, and. And next time I'm in town, I'll come by and, uh, and I'll buy you dinner. I look forward and uh, I believe in common sense. I believe in people that put people together. And you're one of those people. Instead of breaking them apart, lindsaygram.com. I am going to that website and I urge all our listeners to do that. Thank you so much, Senator uh, Graham, and, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. God bless, my friend. With us today is Governor Nikki Haley, and uh, she's been governor uh, for eight years, and she was uh, at the United Nations. And, well, we, we got her sitting here. Nikki, what job did you like the best, being governor or being running the world at, uh, at the United Nations? You know, I've been blessed to serve the state that raised me and defend the country I love so much. They were both different in their own way, um, but the negotiations are very much the same. You know, as governor, you're trying to lift up people. You're trying to get them to see the best in themselves, and we had to balance a budget. We had to make sure that we had education on top. We had to put people to work, and we had to fix things. And at the UN, it was very much about defending America and making sure countries knew what America was for and what America was against. And so can't pick a favorite there. I was I'm certainly blessed. Well, welcome to the Cats and Cosby show. And Rita, well, what do you have to ask on Nikki? You know, uh, Nikki, what are your thoughts in terms of piercing it through? I guess uh, it looks like a bit of a crowded field there on the GOP side. You're running for the presidential nomination for president of the United States. You certainly have an amazing background. Um, what's the strategy? Of course, it's still early, but the debates are coming up soon. First of all, you know, I think that I'm not a lawyer. I'm an accountant. I think we need an accountant in the White House these days. I will tell you that I was a two-term governor that took a double-digit on employment state and turned it into an economic powerhouse. I was 
at the United Nations. I didn't deal with one country. I dealt with 193. This is time for a new generational leader. We've got serious problems. You know, whether you look at our debt and, and the spending, whether you look at education and the lack of transparency for parents, whether you look at crime or illegal immigration, or you look at our national security, we've got a lot of things we need to do. And so I'm in New Hampshire, Iowa, and South Carolina constantly. We're touching as many hands as we can. There's no shortcuts. We are answering every question, and we're doing what we need to do the right way. And I think that's the focus. And I think it said it all when, you know, in our first six weeks when we had to file our contributions, we had 70,000 donations from all 50 states. 67,000 of them were under $200, and people are ready for something new, and we want to offer that to them. We've got a country to save. We have so many problems going on in our city, our state, our country, uh, the world. At 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up, which one do you worry about the most? I worry about my kids because I look at the fact that we are $31 trillion in debt. We're having to borrow money just to make our interest payments. And as much as it's easy to blame Biden, we got to look at the fact our Republicans did that to us, too. You know, they expanded that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill that expanded welfare, 90 million Americans on Medicaid, 42 million Americans on food stamps. You've got the fact that we're Social Security will go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare will go bankrupt in five. Look at education in our situation. You know, we've got 70% of eighth graders are not proficient in reading in this country. I mean, we're in a world of hurt. Then you look at crime. It's at the highest levels we've seen. You see in New York City, it's out of control, but it's every state. And the illegal immigration situation is a national security crisis. And we've got to deal with that. We see record levels of fentanyl. And number one cause of um, death for adults 18 to 49 is fentanyl. We've got to start getting that under control. And then whoever thought that we'd see a Chinese spy balloon going over America the way we did. It was a national embarrassment. And I think that when I think of my kids, I think about the fact that they deserve better than the country we have today. You're absolutely right. We're being attacked in so many directions economically. We're being attacked culturally. Um, we're constantly under attack. I mean, lately, we when uh, when you came into before you came into the studio, we talked about all of a sudden they're attacking AM radio, uh, and they wanted AM radio reaches ninety seven percent of the American people in case of emergency, and uh, it's in every car and and. and they want to destroy it. They want they, the Ford just announced that uh, in 2024 they're going to discontinue it in all their cars, not just their electric cars. Well, we have to look at the fact of why are they trying to dumb down America? This is a time where if you've got you know 70 percent of eighth graders that aren't proficient in reading, 67 percent of eighth graders that aren't proficient in, in math, but then you look at adults. Adults need to be able to get information. They need to be able to educate themselves so that they can make decisions to protect their families and create their futures. And you see this. I mean, we're seeing it all across media. I mean, they're trying to decide what people need to hear instead of putting out the facts and letting people make decisions for themselves. This is another um, sad example of how that's going to all go away for the name of profit. Rita? You know, you talked about crime, uh, Governor Haley. And, you know, I think about, of course, the case that's making so much headlines, uh, the video. This is of the former Marine who held an aggressive uh, homeless man in a chokehold on that New York City subway. The homeless man died tragically. Uh, that man, though, that Marine has been charged with manslaughter by New York DA Alvin Bragg. And um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis voiced support for the Marine Daniel Penny. Um, he said 
uh, we stand with good Samaritans uh, like Daniel Penny. Let's show this Marine America's got his back. What's your message for the Marine? You know, I'm the wife of a combat veteran, and military members, they are trained to defend and protect. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to defend the people that were on there that were being harassed by this person and that was having, you know, challenges. He was trying to protect them. And now he's being prosecuted. Alvin Bragg needs to look at all the murders and the street crime that's happening in New York City and deal with that. Instead, he's going after a serviceman that was trying to do a good deed. I actually don't think we need to just get behind um Penny, I think we need to tell the governor she needs to pardon him. We need to pardon him because what he was doing was trying to protect other Americans. She went opposite. She encouraged the indictment. She encouraged uh, uh, to, to do what Bragg did. And, and Bragg, I understand, uh, I hate to go local with you because it's local politics. And, and Bragg was afraid that the grand jury was not going to indict him. So that way, that way he brought him up on charges himself. I mean, what Bragg is doing, he's allowing criminals to run free on the street, and he's going after citizens who are trying to protect themselves and protect people around them. It's the total opposite. And if New York City keeps up like this, they're going to turn into Chicago and see everybody leave and see everybody go to places where they can protect themselves, where they do feel safe. It's an injustice. And I think that she needs to pardon him. She needs to focus on the street crime. Bragg needs to start doing his job and stop political. And I think everybody sees this for what it is. When you were ambassador to the United Nations, you ran the whole world policy-wise. And here we are. The world, a lot of countries are starting to turn their back on the United States. What would you do? Our friends don't trust us and our enemies don't fear us. You know, what I did at the United Nations, I made sure countries knew what America was for and what America was against. I didn't care if they didn't like me, but I wanted them to respect America. We have lost that. You see that whether you see Saudi Arabia and Brazil starting to do trades with other currencies besides the U.S. dollar. You see that in the fact that India is staying neutral because they don't trust that America will win and they don't trust Russia will lose. We see that in the fact that Russia is invading Ukraine, North Korea is testing ballistic missiles, Iran's building a bomb. But all of this is when America is distracted, the world is less safe. And America's distracted right now. We've got to bring focus back to America. We've got to go back to a strong and proud America that lets countries know what we expect of them, not reactionary and not chaotically. Rita? You know, I'm also so worried. Of course, you touched on the border, Nikki. And it is really scary when you see the numbers, not just of those that we know have come through, but it it looks like maybe a million gotaways under President Biden. And Mayorkas continues to say the border is secure. What do we do? I I just think about what how concerning that is. We've had people say, um, you know, we are so vulnerable, especially we just had someone the other day from Afghanistan who was on the terror watch list uh, who got apprehended. This is really scary for our national security. Rita, I went to the border and I didn't just pull a comma and come back. I went 400 miles down that border. You are not ready for what I saw. When we get up in the morning, we get our coffee, we read the news. 
when these ranchers get up in the morning, they get their coffee and they see if anyone died trying to cross the fence. They pick up any little kids that were left behind and take them to Border Patrol. When I talked to sheriffs, they said before 7 a.m., they round up illegal immigrants, turn them over to Border Patrol, and Border Patrol documents them and releases them until their court date three or four years from now. And when you ask Border Patrol about their job, they said we're glorified babysitters. What we need to do, I passed one of the toughest illegal immigration laws in the country when I was governor. We did a mandatory e-verify program. We need to do that nationally. A mandatory e-verify that requires businesses show that the people they hire are here legally. We need to make sure we fire the 87,000 IRS agents and put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground. We need to defund sanctuary cities. We need to go back to remain in Mexico because nobody wants to go back to remain in Mexico. Instead of catch and release, we need to do catch and deport. That's how we'll get illegal immigration under control again. Governor Nikki Haley, thank you so much for coming uh, to our studios today, and uh, God bless you. And and um, Rita and I would love to see you again soon because this conversation has to be carried on. Thank you, and I hope your listeners will go to NikkiHaley.com. God bless. Take care. You're listening to a show that isn't about finding Republican or Democratic ideas. It's just focused on finding solutions. It's the Cats Roundtable. With us today is former governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, Jr. And uh, uh, welcome, Governor. Uh, Tell us about yourself. Well, good morning, John. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, Yeah, I just finished up eight successful years as the governor of Maryland. You may not realize it, but Maryland is the bluest state in America. So I, I pulled off the biggest surprise upset in the country in 2014. And then in 2018, I ran uh, 45 points ahead of Donald Trump. It's a state that he lost by 33. That's how tough of a state it is. But I I became only the second Republican uh, to ever be reelected governor in the history, 246 year history of the state. So we, uh, you know, we cut taxes eight years in a row. We we took an economy that was ranked 49th out of 50 states and took it to number six, the biggest economic turnaround in America. And I did that with a Democratic legislature that was 70 percent progressive Democrats in both houses. And we continued to get things done. And I left office uh, with the highest approval rating of any governor in the history of the state and the highest in the country, with uh, more than 70 percent of the folks in our state, regardless of their uh, party affiliation, uh, their race or their gender, they all approved of the job that we did. And uh, now I'm uh, now I'm basically unemployed, John. I'm uh, coming on the show with you and just talking about uh, what we can do to get the country back on track. Well, all I can say, that's a real wow. I mean, that kind of record in cutting tra- uh, taxes eight years in a row uh, in a, and um there's rumors around that you may think of going for higher office, maybe even president. Uh, I mean, you're bored. You're unemployed. What else would you do? <laughs> yeah, I was kidding about the being unemployed. I got a lot of things going on. Yeah, I'm in the you know, real estate development business, and I went back to my business. But I, you know, I've got you know a bunch of other side things going on, so I'm keeping busy and enjoying life. But uh, and I'm not and I'm not giving up on politics, but. I made a uh, decision uh, that, you know, that it just what didn't it wasn't in the cards. So I didn't want to. Uh, there are plenty of people out there that are running for president. All of them are friends of mine. Um, and I made the tough decision. Uh, it just wasn't the right time for me or my family to go through something like that. But I certainly 
think I have something to offer to the discussion. And, uh, you know, we had a, we had tremendous success in a really tough place. And, uh, it's unusual these days with all the divided divisiveness and kind of anger and frustration, toxic politics that you can find a way to make everybody happy. You know, right now, most people think, and regardless of party affiliation, they, they think the country's way off track. We're heading in the wrong direction. They're very fed up with politics. Um, you know, I think we did show a path forward in Maryland that can be replicated in other places. I felt that way when they asked me to run for uh, mayor again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's probably exactly the same way I felt. There's so many things happening in our country. We need some, you know, my five o'clock show every day. I yell and scream. We need some common sense Democrats. We need some common sense Republicans. It seems like you're one of those common sense Republicans. Well, I've been focusing my, you know, I I started out as a chairman of Youth for Reagan. I'm a lifelong, what I would say, I would describe myself as a common sense conservative. But I also was... uh, was really willing to work across the aisle to get things done. I had to do that in my state in order to accomplish anything. I'm the only Republican that got Democrats to cut taxes. And, you know, we took, we, we, we started out with a $5 billion deficit. I turned it into a $5 billion surplus and we had to work together across the aisle to get that done. Um, We went from having all the businesses, jobs and taxpayers fleeing the state to having more businesses open and more, you know, more people working and uh, so we really turned the, the, the state around by by doing what you're talking about. It was not the, the extremes of either party. Uh, you know, we tried to figure out a way uh, to uh, reach agreement and reach compromise. And so my whole life was in the private sector. I really started out in the in the real estate brokerage business, commercial real estate brokerage. And it was all about trying to find a way to get people to agree and get the yes and get a deal done. And I, I actually use those skills in politics as opposed to just attacking the other side. It was like, how can we get a win-win? And uh, it was it was very successful, and uh, people of our state were happy with that. But it's what's missing in America today. Uh, you know, the people, uh, you know, there, there's so much anger and divisiveness, and we're just fighting and screaming, and people would rather win an argument on Twitter rather than actually sit down with one another and come up with a common-sense, bipartisan solution. Pick an issue... Uh, that uh, you're passionate about. There are things that I've been working on for a long time, over eight years, both in our state and as the chairman of the National Governors Association. I mean, I'm concerned. I think most people in America today are concerned about the economy, inflation. They're worried about their economic future. Um, I think people are really concerned about the rising violent crime in our cities. You know, uh, fentanyl is definitely a major driving factor behind all of that, but fentanyl's you know, killing people. It's not just in inner cities. It's in small towns and wealthy suburbs. It's affecting every single community. Um, So, you know, all all of those things are things back to the earlier discussion that we've got to find a way to reach agreement on, because right now it's Democrats and Republicans arguing about all those issues, but not making any progress. The border is a mess. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden, after all these years of doing nothing, he finally uh, sends 1,500 National Guardsmen to a 2,000-mile border, which is going to do nothing. I mean, I sent 5,000 people into Baltimore when we had uh, riots in 2015. You know, you got to take action, and we've got to secure that border. Uh, but there are a lot of issues out there. I think we ought to we ought to you know figure out a way for Republicans and Democrats to to talk to one another and find agreement. Right now, it's the this debt ceiling thing is 
perfect example of that where, uh, you know, we've got 90 days have gone by with no talks. Um, at least the Republicans took action and, pa- and passed a debt ceiling bill. Uh, and then finally yesterday, I guess we got Biden to sit down with McCarthy or day before yesterday. And hopefully they're going to make some progress because that can be devastating to our economy. Well, oh, Governor Hogan, all I can say is we need some common sense in American politics. You have the credentials. I mean, to, to, to reduce the budget eight consecutive years in Maryland and be a popular governor, you ha- definitely have the credentials. And stay involved, and uh, let, let, let's try to save our country. John, thank you very much. Let's do it. Let's do it together. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. And we continue with the Cats Roundtable with truth, justice, and the American way, because that's what our heart believes in. With us today is Roger Stone, a longtime friend uh, of Donald Trump and a uh, strategist for Donald uh, and uh, uh, one smart Republican. Uh how are you, uh, Roger? Well, John, it's a kind of bittersweet uh, because the Durham investigation uh, has exonerated Donald Trump, uh, has exonerated me because, uh, as you know, I was prosecuted by uh, special counsel Robert Mueller for lying under oath to Congress about Russian collusion that we now have established never took place. It's literally impossible to testify, uh, uh, you know, about something or to lie about something that never actually happened. You want to give us a report on this new report that just came out. It just came out a couple of days ago. And I heard you have some uh, uh, a great analysis on it. Well, the Durham report, the report of special counsel John Durham, who was appointed by Attorney General Bill Barr to get to the bottom of the origins of the Russian collusion hoax has uncovered the greatest, biggest dirty trick in American political history, uh, which was an abuse of power in which the full uh, authority uh, and the extraordinarily capability uh, through our intelligence agencies of the U.S. government was illegally and illicitly used uh, in essentially a coup attempt to take out a uh, duly elected president, in this case, Donald Trump. Uh, We now know, for example, uh, that neither the FBI nor the CIA had any evidence whatsoever of Russian collusion by Trump or the Trump campaign. Uh, We know that the so-called Steele dossier, which was a a controversial uh, document which falsely alleged that Donald Trump had been entertained by Russian prostitutes when he visited Moscow was completely and totally false. Trump's never even been to the hotel, never mind the hotel suite where this allegedly happened. But more importantly, that that information, coupled with the lack of any other evidence, uh, was still utilized to open the counterintelligence investigation, crossfire hurricane, into Donald Trump uh, and with no evidence whatsoever to rationalize the appointment of Robert Mueller as the private uh, as the special counsel. 
So Trump is exonerated. His claim that this is a hoax turns out to be uh, entirely true. There's dirty tricks all over the place on uh, President Trump, uh, whether it's the, uh, uh, the the Russian hoax or whether it's the 51 uh, so-called intelligence agency agents. I mean, uh, did this always happen in the, in the United States or is this something that's happening lately? Uh, I, look, it's the same. It, ironically, it is the exact same people. The other part of Durham's report that is extraordinary is uh, twofold. President uh, Barack Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, uh, FBI Director James Comey, uh, CIA Director John Brennan, and Attorney General Loretta Lynch, and later Acting Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, uh, were all aware of the fact that there was no evidence of Russian collusion regarding Donald Trump or his campaign, but nonetheless uh, allowed the launch of this Uh, FBI investigation, as well as the appointment of Robert Mueller. But more importantly, John, they were also fully aware that this entire false narrative um, had been uh, invented and pushed by Hillary Clinton uh, and the people around her. Uh, What I'm still trying to figure out is why last year uh, Mr. Durham charged some of the lowest level Clinton functionaries, uh, which is kind of like charging the guy who drove the getaway car for double parking while you let the people who robbed the bank not only testify against the driver, thus incriminating themselves, but you also let them keep the loot from the bank robbery. In other words, none of the upper level officials responsible for these illegal acts uh, are going to be prosecuted because Mr. Durham took his sweet time and these revelations come only after the five-year statute of limitations has long run out. So there will be... Was that intentional, Roger? Roger, your gut feeling, was that intentional? I mean, it it seems as there's there's too much of this crap going around. Uh, I think it was intentional. Let me ask an obvious question. What did Mr. Durham know three years, three days ago that he didn't know before November 8th, 2020, the last election? The answer is is nothing. So if you look at the cast of characters that are enumerated in the, uh, in the Durham report, they are part and parcel of the same intelligence officials uh, who co-signed the letter, 51 of them, saying that Hunter Biden's laptop was had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. But none of this is surprising to me. I wrote a book entitled The Myth of Russian Collusion. You can go to stonezone.com in the shop and get a copy of it. The judge in my case threatened to jail me uh, over my publication of this book, even though it was published and in the stores long before she issued a gag order on me. But essentially, I had all this material, but now it has an official imprimatur. Anything else you want to tell the American people? Sure. You can catch my daily show at stonezone.live every day at 5 o'clock. Uh, you can also catch the reruns. Thank you so much, Roger. And uh, we hope, look, we stand for truth, justice, and the American way. And that's what the American people want to hear. And, and God bless you. And we'll catch up again real soon. I'm very, very grateful to have this opportunity to tell my side of the story. With us today is our in-house genius, Dr. Peter Michalos 
our expert in science, our expert in medicine, our expert in overall medical, you know, whatever. We're going into the summer. What do you see as problems in the summer? Well, I think that people need to uh, start protecting their uh, skin, their eyes, because when the UV light starts coming out in the summer, especially at high noon, between noon and three, the UVA, the UVB, things that are associated with skin cancer, with things called melanoma, which can be metastatic and can be very devastating. There's another type of skin cancer called squamous cell carcinoma that can go to your lymph nodes, which can also be a big problem. And then there's the basal cell cancer that does not spread to other parts of the body, but can be locally invasive and can be devastating. And that can be uh, removed. And uh, there's something called Mohs surgery, and I was just talking to a specialist friend, Dr. Ken Mark, who's a Mohs specialist, and the importance before Mohs and things would invade, like things around the eye, for example, and they would invade and people could end up losing their eye and have part of their eye sockets removed. But now with Mohs surgery, they actually, while they're removing it, they check each margin, left, right, top, bottom, and the deep part, and they get all the tumor out, and the cure rate is over 99%. So that's important to do what's called a total body survey. So when you make an appointment, for the summer, it's a good idea to do it, especially if you have light skin, light eyes, to do it at least twice a year and have a total body check to make sure you pick these things up early and take care of them because they are curable. We remind people before the summer also to wire protective uh, eyewear with UV-protecting polarized sunglasses, preferably something that's wraparound because now we know that UV light from the sun is associated with macular degeneration and also with acceleration of cataracts and these little white fleshy growths that can occur on the eye called pterygium from the Greek word stato, which means wing because they look like little wing-shaped lesions and they are common in areas near the equator and where there's a lot of UV light. So wear your sunglasses, wear protective eyewear, wear large hats with a brim, a hat that causes a shadow to be around your face and eyes because some sunglasses, the UV can come in from the sides, so you want to protect uh, yourself, and that helps uh, reduce eye problems. And the other thing to be careful, especially for the young people, we now know that sexually transmitted diseases are on the rise again in America. I guess uh, all those COVID lockdowns, uh, people were indoors. We're seeing more cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and these diseases can be treated when caught early. And uh, we're seeing, uh, especially among young people, to use proper protection and to be careful, and also AIDS continues to be transmitted in the United States, and there are still cases, even though now things are uh, more, much more treatable. So these are all some of the things, and get your preventive things done. If you're 50 and over, get your colonoscopy. If you're a woman, get your uh, baseline mammogram. And preventive care is very important because as we came out of the pandemic, many people didn't go for basic things like dental health and dental cleaning, which we now know has a strong association with cardiac health and inflammation because that bacteria can get into our bloodstream. So it's about maintenance and about uh, getting ready uh, for summer. Always try to fasten your seatbelts, try to drive, you know, a, a safe car. Please avoid speeding. If you have children, to use the proper uh, seats and make sure they're properly secured. And one of the safest places for children is uh, the center back seat, the least amount of trauma. And uh, these are just some of the summer health tips we want to share with people on 
WABC to keep everyone uh, safe. And when you travel, uh, when you do travel this summer, your American health insurance does not cover you abroad. So we encourage people to get uh, travel gar- uh, travel insurance that allows you to have medical evacuation and to give you uh, at least $50,000 with no deductible. So you have private uh, health care access anywhere you are in the world and medical evacuation. And I've given that tip to several people, and I know of at least five that it's helped save. Uh, for example, if someone had a heart attack in England, there are, you know, people think National Health Service, that's only for British uh, subjects, not for Americans. So you get a bill for someone, you know, get pulled on a moped or someone broke their pelvis in Bali and they actually flew them all the way back to UCLA Medical Center for treatment. And it's only sometimes for 30 to $50 a week and uh, I think it's a, a good thing that our audience is aware of that because the number one cause in the United States of people going into bankruptcy is medical and uh, the uninsured. And especially if they go abroad, you don't want to end up with thousands of dollars of bill or be stuck somewhere and make the assumption that your U.S. health care, including your Medicare, does not cover you abroad. There's so many things happening uh, in medicine. It's moving at warp speed. Uh, is there any other angles that you want to carry uh, talk about today? Some of the fascinating things that are early detection uh, tests that you can find out what your biological age is, like the gallery test, tests like nebula genomics, where you can find out if you have the Alzheimer's genes or certain risks, for example, for depression or bipolar disorder. And it sort of gives you a, a, a some kind of insight into the future and uh, some of the new cancer treatments that we're going to be seeing some vaccines for various types of cancers and we're going to be seeing customized vaccine when they remove your tumor they'll take a sample of it and actually create a custom vaccine for your tumor so your immune system learns how to attack your specific tumor and we're seeing the fascinating area of stem cells where people who are formerly having paralysis and uh, they just published a paper how they Group people who got stem cell injections, mesenchymal cell cells injections, they actually grew cartilage. So these are absolutely fascinating things that we're seeing. It's happening uh, as we speak. And uh, uh, as far as the problems are, there's a shortage of a lot of chemotherapeutic drugs in the United States. And a lot of the supply chains have been affected because a lot of the components are coming from other countries. And I think we're learning as a country that healthcare is national security and we need to start making our own antibiotics, our own chemotherapeutic agents, and not depending on uh, other countries where, for example, one country, the FDA, went and did an inspection in another country, and they found disastrous conditions, so they stopped doing that. So the uh, generic companies here can't compete against the foreign cheap labor, but now we're realizing we need to make things here, just like now we're realizing that we're going to start building chip factories in Arizona. So these are national security issues for uh, us. And healthcare is a national security issue. The vaccine, there's been some study on it lately. And uh, what did it say? The CDC has changed uh, certain opinions on the vaccine? Like all vaccines, they all have some potential uh, side effects. But right now we're learning that uh, RNA viruses really mutate a lot. So every time you make a vaccine, there's always a new strain coming out. But as we've talked about in WABC, things have become less deadly with, uh, for example, COVID. And now some of the side effects that are popping up, like some of the clotting issues, some of the eye vein occlusion issues. Again, it's rare, but it does happen. So they are uh, supplying some warnings. And many countries have basically stopped their booster programs. They feel that it's no longer needed. And the risk benefit ratio, especially in the young children and younger people, 
may not be may not be there, and uh, the subset of population that'll benefit from some of these vaccines, I think, has gotten smaller. But still, vaccinations are very important because most of the childhood diseases we have are called DNA uh, diseases, and those DNA vaccines have worked great. Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you for uh, bringing us up to date, and we'll catch up with you again real soon during the week. Thanks for always getting the truth out on the Cats Roundtable. God bless. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. We continue with Common Sense on the Cats Roundtable, and we let our audience decide. What is today is Congressman uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, he's uh, from the great state of Ohio, and um, he's got a very important job these days. He's the House Judiciary Committee, and so many things are happening. Congressman, Tell the American people what the heck is happening and and how are you approaching things? Well, I think one of the big concerns is um, in in our committee work on Judiciary Committee and and then the Select Committee on the Weaponization of of Government, um, we're we're focused on, you know, how these agencies have been turned against the American people. Today we had a big hearing where we had some whistleblowers come forward. Uh, We've talked to dozens of whistleblowers. We've interviewed several of them and we had three testify publicly today and their story was so compelling. And I think what's what, 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 what Americans need to understand is that we know that these the agencies have are, are now driven by politics. And if you, if, if you need to look no further than the Durham report, which came out earlier this week, which uh, which which talked about, you know, that they opened an investigation of President Trump with no predicate, no probable cause, um, no, no evidence. And, and yet that's bad enough. But what's happened now is these agencies have been turned on the American people. And that's what the whistleblowers came forward today in our hearing to talk about. And then to add insult to all this is those brave whistleblowers that came forward, they've been retaliated against. And we had a, as I said, the hearing today, that became so clear uh, what's going on. So on a number of other issues, primarily working on protect the First Amendment from, from the attack that you see uh, government working with big tech and, and others to limit America's speech. We're working on that issue as well um, in, in the committee. Understood. The other day, uh, I think it was a Congressman Comer was on, and uh, he couldn't find his whistleblowers. What the heck happened to them? I think he corrected that after he said it. He said that some of the sources for the whistleblower, they, uh, I think he was talking about some of the, uh, uh, the, the, the sources that gave information to the whistleblower. I understand that situation, that there's a whistleblower who's went to Senator Grassley and says that he's seen a document, a document that, the FBI, FBI has that has re- recorded a conversation and information that came from a confidential whistleblower to the FBI. So Chairman Comer's asked to see that document, but he also said in an interview, I believe, that they're having trouble locating and, and, and talking to the, 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 the sources. That was, uh, I, I think, how he said it, and then, then, then clarified those comments uh, a little later. Now, uh, which item do you feel you want to tell the American people is the most serious? Is it the uh, 51 intelligence officers that signed that document uh, saying about uh, about uh, President Trump, or is there anything else? 
when these federal agencies are being, you know, turned on the American people and going after the very people who pay their salaries, the people they're supposed to serve, you know, whether it's the, this, this concept that was floated a year ago to, to form a disinformation governance board at the Department of Homeland Security, this idea that, you know, you had government agencies telling big tech, hey, uh, we, we think you should, you should look at these tweets and take these tweets down, pressuring big tech to censor certain speech that, that the government disagreed with. Uh, or, or whether it's the retaliation that's come uh, to whistleblowers. Whistleblowers have simply come forward to Congress to talk to us about the school board issue, to talk to us about the, 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 the memorandum that, um, that was uncovered in, in the Richmond field office about attacking uh, Catholics, calling them radical traditional Catholics, and trying to, uh, you know, this, this idea that they were going to put sources and, and informants inside the, the parish, inside the church. So um, all of it's important because it's a threat to the rule of law, it's a threat to our Constitution, and, and maybe most importantly, it's a threat to the First Amendment. Uh, Congressman, I, I'll tell you, Mr. Chairman, uh, the American people, they call us and they tell us, well, this is all great, and uh, we, maybe we'll, we'll get the truth someday, but nobody ever goes to jail. Well, what yeah. do I tell the American people? No, it's, it's probably the number one you know, question I get. And it is frustrating. I always remind people that we're in the legislative branch. We can't indict anyone. We can't prosecute anyone. All we can do is our constitutional duty, which is to put the facts on the table, to do oversight, to do the investigations that need to be done. And when you get the facts on the table, then you can look at legislative remedies, which we will we will have. There's a number of ideas we have on legislative. We've already introduced some. My, my colleagues on the Judiciary Committee have already induced some that would that would you know relative to the uh, the, the situation this crazy indictment Alvin, Alvin Bragg's doing against uh, former President Trump. So we, we've already got some legislation that I think would help in those those areas. But then also, I think the ultimate leverage we have and, and, and influence we can have is the appropriations process, which is you know the power of the purse and and how taxpayer dollars are allocated, how they're spent, what money is spent for. That's where we have to weigh in and begin to uh, try to rein in these, these agencies that, again, we think are being turned on the American people. Thanks for listening to the Catch Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatchroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast. Get those segments that you missed. Have a nice Sunday.